the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the John DePietro Show at 106 on this Tuesday, December 14th. Folks, it's brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Stop in and see them. The Lodge Delicious Food, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Make sure you check out their uh, beautiful, the beautiful new outside deck that they have uh, put in. So... Uh, the latest news right now is just heard the uh, weather forecast. I mean, today is a delightful day, sunshine, over 50 degrees, even though it feels a little bit cooler. And then we're uh, very fortunate because the weather for the uh, the rest of the week is going to remain mild. Look at that Friday and Saturday as we uh, you just heard in the weather forecast. 55, maybe some places even touching on 60 degrees. So uh, all is good. And then even... Uh, you know, next week, it's not like we have any big snowstorms uh, in the forecast or or anything like that. Now, folks, the, the big news locally is, as I was talking about last hour, is that Governor McKee has scheduled a press briefing for tomorrow at one thirty. Tomorrow at, uh, so it'll be Wednesday at one thirty. I will be there, and they're planning on announcing their reaction to the COVID numbers that are going up. But, you know, I'm also seeing some different things, as I mentioned, posted on social media. And I won't say the, the names of the individuals, but but one person, um, let's see, one person who I know put, if I have one thing to advise people right now, is mask up when you go into public places. A lot of people are sick. Including myself, I'm home with pneumonia. I would love not ever have it again. It's horrible. Ended up in the hospital. Doctors saying they're seeing a lot more cases of pneumonia. We all learned from last year, wearing the mask, there were not a lot of cold and flu viruses going around. So I, I believe that people should, um, I, th- I think people have to weigh, it's one thing if they, they try to, um, it's one thing if they start to close things with that. I don't think they're going to do. But I think people need to adapt if, in fact, they're going to start to uh, put out the. It's one thing for the mask mandate. It's a whole other situation, I think. And I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think Governor McKee is going. I don't think that he's going to start to. Uh, close businesses. Folks, when you, you go back to spring of 2020, which this spring, it's going to be two years since the pandemic started. But I, I just want to remind you, you know, salons were closed. Everything was supposed to be closed. And so Governor McKee, he's feeling pressure from the Department of Health as far as introducing some new restrictions. He is definitely feeling the heat. Um, And on top of that, he um, not only is he feeling the heat, but some of his Democrat rivals are really trying to um, are are really trying to, you know, score points on on this whole thing. So now the violence in Providence continues. I know it's a separate type of thing. And I, w- I want to go, we have a lot of sound, especially what's going on in the country right now. But I do want to play, there was a uh, a shooting in Providence on Saturday night. And I want to just play, this is the Channel 10. Um, oh, no, they're just running the, uh, oh, okay. I thought they had an actual story about it. Instead, they just have the police briefing on what happened. So now let's get with, uh, we have a lot of sound to get to. This is um, CBS Morning Show. Biden's CDC director says we probably have to live with the virus. So let's uh, let's go to that sound. We sit here. There, we guess we'd be going into year two. People think we're waiting for you to sound the trumpet. Say it's all clear. We're not really going to get an all clear, are we? We just have to face the fact that we're going to have to live with this. True. I, I think that that's probably too, true. But what I would say is we have a lot of control and power to do that as we come together, as we get vaccinated, as we. 
We do those prevention things that work to protect one another and ourselves and our family. We can bring down the amount of disease in this country and get much faster to that place. Shouldn't the messaging be, though, Rochelle, as we sit here, there, we just, we'll be going into year two, people think we're waiting for you to sound the trumpet and say it's all clear. We're not really going to get an all clear, are we? We just have to face the fact that we're going to have to live with this. True? I, I think that that's probably too, true. But what I would say is we have a lot of control and power to do that as we come together, as we get vaccinated, as we do those prevention things that work to protect one another and ourselves and our family. We can bring down the amount of disease in this country and get much faster to that place. Now, it's one thing if they announce that they, um, if Governor McKee announces that they, they want to put in a mask mandate. It's another whole entirely different thing. If, in fact, they start to, I, I don't think, I could be, I don't think he's going to close businesses. But as someone was saying, you know, last year, when people were wearing masks, not going out when they were sick, washing hands, cold and flu was less. However, the problem with inflation still remains a major, major problem. Let's hear this is CNBC's Rick Santelli talking about prices from last year. And this is something the Biden people won't even touch. Price index up eight tenths of one percent, up eight tenths of one percent. That's hotter than expected. If you remove food, energy and trade, it is up seven tenths, also hotter than expected. And if you just remove food and energy, it's up seven tenths. So food and energy, seven tenths, food, energy and trade up seven tenths. Now, the year over year numbers up 9.6 on headline producer price index. That is a new record. And if we look at X food and energy year over year, up 7.7, also a new record. And remember, these go back to 2010 on the year over year because they recalculate a little differently. So that's the most recent comp. And if we look at year over year, X food, energy, and trade up 6.9%, another record. So all the numbers are hotter than expected, and of course, we should expect this to happen. We know transitory has been retired. We knew the consumer price index that we had last week was hot as well. You know, that remains the worry of what people are talking about is that. Now, folks, also, something to watch is CNN. They want Fox News kicked out of the White House press briefings uh, for no other reason other than just to go after them. Listen to Don Lemon throwing this out, that going forward, they shouldn't call on Peter Ducey in the White House press briefings. I want you to listen to this. We know all of this. Why, why does Jen Psaki even continue to call on Fox in the briefing? I mean, they're very, they've been... Very courteous and I should say, you know, kind because if your network is promoting BS and lies about what is actually happening in the country and helping to inspire and incite an insurrection, why why should they even be able to take part that is in not a true. legitimate press briefing and legitimate journalism? Yeah, it's so tough because there are reporters still at Fox, very few and very few getting um, airtime and the last real good one just left the building. Same question, right? Even though she makes a very good point, even though they have vaccine rules and um, mask rules and mandates at their own places of business. But why the question about why, why did they even allow Fox to but pretend in the briefing room that they're a real news organization? Because they are. Historically, you got to keep as broad an opening of the press corps as possible, letting as many voices as possible, you know, even letting cranks, and there's been a lot of cranks in the briefing room in the past, not Fox, but just randos that are able to come to the briefing. I think historically that's been the approach. Let as many people in as you can possibly fit in the room. But today at the briefing, what did Fox ask about? The Christmas tree being set ablaze, which was awful last week, and I was really disturbed to see it. But no one thinks that's the top ten story in America today, except for Fox News. Uh, so, what we have to do, I think, is recognize it for what it is. And you've been documenting it, Don. We've been trying to document it. Fox has changed dramatically, and these text messages tonight are more evidence that this media ecosystem has changed dramatically. Yeah. And we, we, we can't view it the way we did 10 years ago, where, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of channels, and one leans left and one re- leans right. No, yeah. one now leans so far from reality 
then it's in peril the country. It's obvious they don't care about the truth. Anytime you see something on their air, that's you ridiculous. You know, it, it, let me. All right, so so they were communicating with Mark Meadows and saying, "Hey, listen, what, we we, we got to do something about it." Right now, they have to do something about what's happening right now. I, I'm I'm trying to figure out what why is that a bad thing? They weren't saying you know everybody hold tough. They were I- encouraging um, and saying that it it needed to it needed to end is is what they were going after. Right? That's what that was some of the text messages that they're they're talking about. I also want to um folks mention this is the anniversary of uh of Sandy Hook. I remember that day very vividly. I received a, a nice message from one of our listeners. And again, folks, good afternoon at one sixteen. You're listening to the John DePietro show on AM thirteen eighty and ninety-nine point nine FM. That was the first time I was uh, live on the air as we started to hear about some developments out of Newtown, Connecticut. And that was the first time that I really, I think, demonstrated, I wasn't trying to, but demonstrated how useful Twitter was. Because I knew it was significant. I will also tell you, there's many other hosts that would have ignored it and gone about whatever. If they had a guest plan, they would have had the guest. It would dawn whatever they were doing. We followed what was going on in Newtown, Connecticut, Sandy Hook, in real time based on news reports that were, were being tweeted out in real time. And I, I don't think I had ever used Twitter in that way. Now, someone could say, well, weren't you afraid? No, I, I mean, there were credible, you know, blue checkmark individuals, news organizations that were there that were putting out information and sharing information. So, and, and I'll, I'll also say this at 118. Um, I, I will never... Understand, and I know he's got some fans out there, Alex Jones. But I, I, I don't tell anyone how to do a show. I don't. I may be critical of certain people that try to do shows, but however someone does the show, that's that's their show. I don't, you know. But and he has his own style, and he's obviously been very successful with Infowars, but. To go after the parents of Sandy Hook in Newtown, Connecticut, and to actually continue to feed this narrative that it was a false flag and that that really wasn't happening. And those were actors that people were seeing that that is um, that's another level of bizarre. It just is uh, that that is and he he's, you know, been felled, uh, held accountable. Well, I don't know how much held accountable He'll probably never pay. But but that is just um, beyond the pale. I don't get that. That's not um, that's not like, well, in my opinion, I mean, you, you were telling people that that the little tiny caskets that they were seeing were fake and that the parents were actors anyone that believes that needs their head examined the fact that he was encouraging that and and reporting it and not just once and we're not talking about having a guest on and then just letting them kind of go off where there there were nutcases contacting these parents and mocking them is just unimaginable. That those are just Neanderthal. I mean, there are one thing that COVID has displayed to us, folks, is just how nuts some people are. I mean, 
mean, they really are. But that was, I, I don't get that in any way. There's nothing, that's not a prank gone wrong. That's not, you know, some people think it's funny. Why, why you would unleash in these people contacting, leaving messages, calling the homes of parents that had their tiny little children? Oh, my God. So that's where I break off on the Alex Jones thing. And I, I, I know I get emails sometimes from people like, yeah, but you got to look at what he's done on 9-11. And, and to me, that's like a deal breaker. That's, that's a deal breaker for me. That's not said something inappropriate. That's not has, you know, an opinion that's not that popular. That, that is absolutely unleashing crazy people amongst us onto very vulnerable parents and families and completely unnecessary. If if you want to say that because of Sandy Hook and Newtown and what happened, that the anti-gun movement feels pressure, that's one thing. That's one thing. I remember when the head of the NRA said Bill Clinton allows certain levels of violence in order to push forward on his anti-gun agenda. I mean, that's Wayne LaPierre said that one time. That That's that's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. But for Alex Jones to actually take to the airwaves and, and tell all these people that listen to him that these are actors and it's phony and it didn't happen and that's why there's no video of it and um that that's a certain level of depraved that I I don't I don't get what's the what's the end I don't get the I don't I don't get that in any way, folks. Uh, good afternoon at one twenty one to twenty two. You're listening to the John DePietro show. You know I I I want to just mention because I am impressed by this story, and this is a story done by the Boston Globe and it's the Rhode Island team working on it. And the more I read this, I mean, ex-East Providence clerk. Now, this woman's running for city council. And they're being kind. Pattern of discrepancies in our educational work history. Samantha Burnett. Maybe I'll try to reach her. Launched her campaign, Ward 1. People have a right to true transparent government. I don't know how else to describe. I haven't read a story like this in a while, but like just a complete based on this story. I I just complete pathological liar. As Samantha Burnett departed her positions, East Providence City clerk. Claiming the city was refusing to accommodate her dyslexia. She just a statement saying she felt she had a duty to expose the truth. Blah, blah, blah. Today, with my husband sitting beside me, I proudly submit my resignation. City, she was the city clerk in East Providence. So, listen to this goal. Her lawyer asked for the city of East Providence to pay her salary until January of next year. Pay her until January 2023 in exchange for a wave and release. But then she said, you know, I I, I no longer want a settlement agreement. Nope, nothing. I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to do that to the people of East Providence. So I I do want to commend the Globe reporter starts to look into it. And just some of the stuff I find interesting. A review of documents from the city of East Providence show her account. Her accounts of her education and work have discrepancies, exaggerations, multiple claims that cannot be verified. So. You wonder about some sometimes these people that are hired and they maybe they seem like they have, you know, an impressive resume and so forth. But so she this woman is then denying she made false and misleading statements about her background, but can't provide evidence confirming it on her resume and her LinkedIn profile. She stated consistently she had earned degrees from Washington State University and Boston University, BU. I'm well qualified for this position. Listen to this. I graduated summa cum laude from BU with a paralegal degree. She wrote an email to members of the city council in November 2018. 
I have a finance degree from Washington State University. My work experience includes 10 years experience in managing teams, both private and non-sector. Largest team I managed was over 80 employees. In a biography sent to the communications director, June of 2019, after she'd been appointed city clerk, she wrote she studied at Washington State University and BU degrees in finance and paralegal studies. Summa cum laude. April of 2018, Coonerty Facebook page. Her credentials got a boost. I have legal studies degrees from Boston BU, graduating magna cum laude. <laughs> she wrote in a comment, including a long list of qualifications. Let me introduce myself to others not qualified. People are saying, I don't think this woman's qualified. I have a finance degree from a four-year college. I have a legal studies degree from BU, graduating magna cum laude. Currently serve as a member of the Economic Development Commission in East Providence. I volunteer in East Providence schools eight hours a month. I'm a member of the PTO at Myron. I'm a freelance journalist, mother of three, domestic violence survivor, member of the ACLU, member of the blah, blah, blah. Let me know if I'm qualified. So Washington State said they have no record of her attending the school in person or online, earning a degree from them. University also checked under her unmarried name, previous married name, found no record of any kind. So that the Globe asked this woman, she said, I don't know why they don't have a record of me attending. Then she explained, well, I went to a, a community college in Washington State before transferring credits to an online degree program at Washington State. Said she didn't. They, she did not have a conventional college experience because she was a single mom, survivor of domestic violence, raising two children. Blah blah blah. When asked for more details, she said the organization I went through, I think, was something like the College Network, College Access. Anyway, they the Globe contacts this college and they say that type of arrangement would not have been allowed by the professional accrediting body. Additionally, any degree conferred by Washington State University would be reflected in student records, maintained by the... So that part is not true. The reference to the Washington State University was then removed from her LinkedIn profile after the city began scrutinizing her background. Asked about the change, what do you think she says? Our home system was hacked a few months ago. Yep. Ruined my daughter's laptop. Many accounts had to be deleted. Um... Then she changes her LinkedIn profile to make it private. <laughs> Said she would provide evidence of her Washington State University degree, but instead sent a picture of a certificate from the Boston University Center for Professional Education earned in paralegal studies. The BU paralegal program is a 14-week online course that recipients... That gives recipient certificates, not degrees. It's non-credited. So there's no Latin honors, such as summa cum laude. When asked about the claim, she said, oh, my advisor called me at the end and said I qualified for summa cum laude. Right. Except it's not listed. In the res- You know, this is a good example, if you're listening right now, why you need to check up people when, before you hire them. This woman was the city clerk. In the resume she submitted to the city, she listed several leadership positions, including being a board member of the Joe Silva Foundation. Julie Silva, who founded the foundation, said she was involved, but she wasn't a member of the board. Uh, several parts of her work history do not check out. I mean, I, I'm just not sure... How someone like this is described other than just a complete pathological liar. And then even the journalist thing, she was involved with some one issue thing in Seattle. Um, So the city clerk, she was appointed city clerk of East Providence submitting a resume. Previously served as a campaign manager for two of the five people. City clerk is politically appointed. Described as co-manager campaign. Said they would never verified her education. There was no requirement that you have to have a degree to be the clerk. Um, as city clerk, she was in charge of things like business licenses, city council meeting agendas. It's kind of a high-profile job. 
op set up on the dais with members of the city council. 80000 a year recently. And then she was always having problems with her work and then would hint at retaliation and discrimination. She identifies as Asian as a person of Filipino descent. Oh, took a temporary leave of absence. Um, really entirely false, unsubstantiated. Folks, my point is, in even mentioning this, is you just wonder sometimes. Like, there are these complete frauds among us. And they need to be vetted out a little bit. They need to be vetted out a lot. All right, five charts show how COVID-19 cases are rising in Rhode Island despite high vaccination rates. Well, listen, all eyes are going to be on Governor McKee tomorrow. And make no mistake about it, the media that is covering him, they may not admit it, but they want him to put back and have more COVID restrictions. They do. If you don't see that, you're not following it. They, they absolutely do. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by J. Cannell Engineering. Listen, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates on the market. Call J. Cannell Engineering today, 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. J. Cannell Engineering. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You can depend on J.K.L. Engineering. Call them today at 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600 for J.K.L. Engineering. Remember, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's J.K.L. Engineering. 401-351-7600. So that is, um, let me just see... Uh, let's see. Children make up 40% of new infections in Rhode Island. Rhode Island, well vaccinated, two doses, 30% are eligible or boosted. Um, let's see. Um, we, what is, now this is interesting. Mark Meadows was on Newsmax. Rob Finnerty, the morning host of which I've been on. Starts asking him about the text on January 6th that Sean Hannity sent to him. Newsmax trying to take a shot at Fox. Let me play some of this. Story turned out that, Here we that go. he was found guilty. Here we go. And, uh, well, isn't it the job of every chief of staff to serve the best interests of the commander in chief? Isn't that what you were doing, including after the election? Um, last night you were on with Sean Hannity, and, and I was surprised. Uh, Sean didn't mention the text message that both he and or Ingram and others sent you on January 6th. Um, I don't even know why this is an issue. Is it unusual for media people to text someone like the chief of staff? I mean, we just went through a case last week where Don Lemon was literally texting Jesse Smollett that the Chicago police didn't buy a story. It turned out that, that he was found guilty. Where, where's the problem here? Well, there is no problem here. I can tell you a number of people were concerned about the violence. Uh, you know, it's not just those texts. Here, here's the problem. And you were concerned about the violence as well. We have those text messages. W- w- without a doubt, all of us were, including the president, uh, the, the entire nation. So there's no problem here as much as there is uh, a selective uh, disclosure of certain texts trying to feed a narrative that the January 6th committee uh, wants to put forth. And, and uh, it's this concern. Conspiracy that you know was was conspired uh, that that somehow the January sixth uh, breach of the Capitol was some somehow a, a planned effort from the White House and that's just simply not the case. I think the text messages show that, and hopefully at the end of the day when when the full report comes out, well, I'm, I, not the full report when the full story comes out, they will find that that uh, President Trump and uh, his his aides acted appropriately. Yeah, like they were going to make Viking Man, you know, the head of the new government or something, and that you and the president were involved in some massive uh, plan to have that happen. It's ridiculous. Boy, the war between... Um, boy, the war between Fox and CNN is just... It's really heating up. It's actually pretty entertaining to... Um, to to kind of watch a little bit. 
Um, let me also just check. I know that the parents of the Ethan Crumbly, 15-year-old charged with a deadly Michigan shooting, appear at a probable cause hearing. Let me see if I have that. I'd like to see what they have to say. Do we have this? No, we do not. All right. Well, they. I think they did appear. I think they did appear. Folks, I'm also seeing this. Now, Governor Armando's name keeps getting tossed around for 2024. 11 Democrats could replace Biden in 2024. Kamala Harris, Mayor Pete, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Roy Cooper, Mitch Landry. His name keeps coming up. Mayor of Los Angeles, of uh, New Orleans, right? Or governor, actually. Gina Raimondo made the leap from Rhode Island governor to Biden administration commerce secretary, but doubts remain as to whether she's too moderate to win a Democrat primary in the moment. Gretchen Whitmer, the Michigan governor. Phil Murphy, governor of New Jersey. I don't know about that. Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Good luck if those are your candidates. If those are the candidates on the Democrat side for 2024... Good luck. What am I seeing right now? Rhode Island Medical Society leaders say the Thanksgiving gathering spread COVID. Rhode Island's at a critical medical crossroads in the pandemic. Well, that is going to put a lot of pressure on Governor McKee. Wow. Andrew Cuomo ordered to return $5 million pandemic book profits to the state. Uh Uh-oh. That means he needs to get a job. Um, Boy, that is is something. Boy, how that guy has fallen in a big way. The two brothers... How would you like to imagine being around the Cuomos on, um, oh my God, this lady keeps it up. I, you know what's annoying, folks, is these reporters that, the reporters that come to Rhode Island, and for some reason, they think you want to hear their experiences eating Clam cakes and chowder, or they want to that you want to read about their experience having a Johnny cake or a quahog. I no no one cares. Like some of these new reporters, lose the novelty, lose the novelty with the whole thing. We don't just 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 do some reporting. That's all people really want. All right, I want to get to the CDC director was on the Today Show, and folks, this is important to listen to her talking where we are right now in the variant. Three percent of new cases in the country. However, here in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that number much higher at 13%. The Delta variant still responsible for the overwhelming majority of infections. But Dr. Lenski did say Omicron is more transmissible and becoming more dominant in other countries. Well, for more on that, what it means and what we need to worry about or what the good news out there is, let's bring in NBC News senior medical correspondent, Dr. John Torres. Uh, so, Dr. It's always good getting a good news in, too, because we have a lot of bad news about these things. Absolutely. So, when we talk transmissibility, how much do we have to be worried? So, what we're talking about is essentially what they call doubling time, which means how much time it takes for those cases to start doubling. And what Dr. Walensky was talking about this morning is the doubling time they're finding out from Omicron. And remember, this is preliminary data. is about two days. So it's actually between two to three days. If you look at the Delta variant, back in June, we thought it was around 11 days or so. Now, it looks like it might be five or six days. And so, it's much more transmissible meaning that more people are going to catch it, more people are going to spread it to other people. That's the concern. But the other thing she mentioned, too, is we're starting to see lesser symptoms, which is good. And again, this is preliminary, so can't put too much faith on it. But less hospitalizations, less symptoms. At the same time, if we have more cases, that means more people will be hospitalized. Unfortunately, more will die as well. Well, some good news came out this morning from Pfizer about that antivirus. 
Harold Pill, and I asked you in the green room. So the pills will reduce death, you're saying, for high-risk people by 89% and by 70% for everybody else? And like anybody else, any other drug company, they love names. They call these ones pack fluid. Which don't ask me why. It just, it just rolls off the tongue, right? But essentially what it is, is, is three different pills you take. You take it twice a day for five days. And what they found in the initial studies were that for people who are at high risk of COVID-related symptoms and, and complications, that it cut the risk of hospitalizations and deaths by 89% if they took it early in the treatment course, meaning they understood they had COVID, they were tested positive. Um, and so, again, it looks like it's doing really well. The other thing they found out, though, for people who are not at high risk, for those of us who are at regular risk, mm -hmm. if you take it, it cuts it by 70%. And so, again, it's not cutting it quite as much. As so, three pills for five days. Right. If you Twice a day. Wait, have you ever had the flu and taken Tamiflu? Sure. It's the same thing here. Okay. You need to test positive. You need to do it early in the course, and then you'll get these three pills twice a day for five days. They will help cut down hospitalizations. They will help cut down deaths. Mm -hmm. For the the non-high-risk people, it did nothing for symptoms, and so you're still going to feel kind of eh, yeah. but at the same time, it could save your life. When could we see this, this approved? Well, right now, the FDA has the data. They said that they're going to go ahead and look at the data and then schedule the regular meetings they have. So my guess would be probably early on in the year, my guess would be January time frame only because we need these types of tools there. And what about who should take this? I mean, or, or is it as efficacious for somebody who's vaccinated as opposed to unvaccinated? They looked at both, vaccinated and unvaccinated, and the good news is it seems to work well on both people. But huh? the important point is taking it early on, much like the flu, you have to take camel flu early on. Same thing here. Well, they said it works best within three days, which means that we need to ramp up our testing program so people can get tested earlier if they think they have symptoms at all, get on this medication, and that's when it'll help beyond three days probably won't help as much probably will help a little bit there's so much confusion now because even if you're vaccinated and with a booster i know people who are getting breakthrough cases how do you explain that and so what i always tell people is remember the vaccine is not a force field it's not going to prevent the virus from getting into your body but what it works the way it works is once the virus gets in your body it prevents you from getting sick from the virus and so you might come down with covid and you might test positive for covid and you might even feel a little punky but you're not going to get as sick as you would if you didn't have the vaccines that's for the regular vaccines. For the booster shot, that adds even more benefit to that. And what we're finding out is the vaccines, even though they are wearing off in their effectiveness for preventing you from getting COVID, they are still really do doing a really good job at preventing you from what I call the top three, which are serious illness, hospitalizations, and death, which at the end of the day, exactly what we want. That sounds like the flu to me. Not the flu, but yeah. how we treat the flu, the flu in the end. Exactly. That you get it and then you stay home. Exactly. But it's not and, and that's what's going to happen here. That's a, that's a great way to talk about it because this is going to turn into what we call an endemic virus, which means the virus is always going to be here. We just need to treat it with things like the vaccine to hopefully prevent it, keep the complications low, and then these other medicines as well. My guess is for the rest of our lives, at least, this virus will still be here. It's, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around yeah, it. It is, because it wasn't even here two years ago. So CDC recommendations on boosters, what's the latest? So the latest recommendations, 18 and above, they recommend you getting a booster, 16. To 17, they say you can get a booster, uh, but 18 and above, six months after getting Pfizer and Moderna, you're double dosing, and two months after getting Johnson Johnson, they recommend getting that booster shot. Again, partly because of the wearing off for Delta, but even more so because of Omicron that we know is going to come here. And like Dr. Walensky said, 13% here in this area here, and so it, we know it's going to be here. We know it's going to become more dominant. You know, Doc, when you talk about the, this is something we're just going to have to deal with, is it going to be eventually like the flu? And that, in other words, every year. We're getting a shot. We're getting a flu shot. We're getting a, you know, a, 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 an Omicron shot or whatever. And that's the, big debate. that's the big debate in the scientific community right now. Are we going to need this every year? Is it going to be three, five, seven years? We don't know at this point. And the reason we don't know is because we put those two shots so close together up front to get everybody boosted really high to get us out of that emergency situation. And now we're spreading out the booster shot a little bit. And we think that's going to last longer than a year period. I'm hoping three, five, maybe ten years next time we need one. It depends on variants, too because we didn't see this Omicron coming. Right. And it came very quickly, so we Real, don't know. Really quickly, I think everyone's confused with the holidays coming up. Do we have people over? Do we have masks? If everyone's vaccinated, people got their boosters. Do we have those tests in the house? Do people wear masks? What are your top three rules? Yeah, the main thing is to make sure that you stay protected. If there's high-risk people in your house, it's a different story. That means the elderly or those that are very young and can't get vaccinated. But for everybody else fully vaccinated, think about self-testing before people come over because that can certainly help give you even more confidence. You don't need to mask unless you're outside in a crowded area or unvaccinated. And then if you're in a community with high transmission, think about putting masks back on. That's okay. 
avoid poor ventilated indoor spaces. Try to go outdoors, open windows. And I tell people all the time, nobody before liked to ask this question. This is a perfect question to ask now. Are you vaccinated before yeah. you come to my house? doesn't mean you can't come. It just means I'm going to change things when you do get here. And we're going to open windows, put masks on. Really quick, Doc. Do you think we should have home in-home tests? Just hanging around just to be on the Yeah, I think that would be a great way to go because I think that'd help everybody, number one, feel more confident, but number two, not spread it as much. Thank you so much. Now, folks, that is, um, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. It's pretty uh, extensive. And we're going to have to wait and see. Right now, it's 146. It's Tuesday. It's December 14th. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So tomorrow, Governor McKee is uh, having a briefing, and they're going to announce what we believe to be some uh, new restrictions. So now some of the information I'm getting, uh, GD, I just got inside information. He's going to extend the emergency mandate for an additional 60 days. That's really not news because at no point did he say that he was going to get rid of it. He's going to implement a mandatory inside masking rule. Well, well, let's wait and see. I I think the biggest thing to watch, and I don't think it's going to happen, by the way. I don't think they're shutting businesses. I don't. Um, I think if they go with the mask mandate, then some people are going to have some decisions to make. Because as you've already heard, there's a lot of people that don't want the mask mandate. So there's going to be that. Folks, one thing I do want to encourage you, you want to stay healthy, you want to shop local, stop it and see Marie. It's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. We're diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Right now on this sunny Tuesday, and it is a nice sunny Tuesday, blue sky, you're outside, maybe you're doing some shopping. Why not pop in? They have some great, thoughtful gifts, natural skincare, hair care products, essential oils, body oils, soaps. It's my Health, 1099 Menden Road and Company. Local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. She also has delightful different types of herbs and teas and spices. Pop in and see my friend, the Queen of Health, Marie, and It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop and see them. Great crew, great food, and the big outside deck, the Lodge Pub and Eatery. So we're just going to have to wait and see where uh, the governor is going to go on this. Because the, the real answer is we don't know. We don't know what he's going to do. But tomorrow, I will be there. We will, uh, uh, it's, let's see, it's at 1.30. We'll carry it. We'll carry it during the John DePietro show tomorrow at one thirty, And I will be there, probably broadcast ahead of time uh, from there. And then we'll bring it to you because it is it's going to be significant on what he's going to decide and what he's going to announce. Uh, this sounds like, you know, something's going to happen. Something's going to give a lot of warning signs are out there. I want to rest assured to people, though. Here's the good news. I do not hear any type i i don't foresee uh any one i don't foresee any businesses being shut down i don't i that i just don't think that's going to happen i think to watch is going to be the mask mandate some of the things i'm seeing um a lot of people are saying from now on you're only fully vaccinated if you got three shots booster language sounds like optional bonus coverage um well you know this whole business of giving out the 3,000, I mean, there's just so many mistakes within this whole thing. Um, and, and, and that there's been a lot of uh, mixed messages as well. Um, but all eyes are going to be on the governor tomorrow. And, and something that you just can't ignore is... Something you can't ignore is the political ramifications of this. Um, you you can't you you can't 
can't ignore that Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, that he said he's not running for re-election because of all the politics involved around making decisions during COVID. Governor McKee does, does not have that. He, he, he's running to be elected for the first time. Um, and so the good news is he's going to be held accountable. The bad news is if there's a lot of politics involved with this, as many of you know. There's just so much. It's, it's, it's tough to separate it. It's tough to, to, to separate the politics. And there's so much money flowing around. Some of the guests we've had, I, I think they're, um, I think they're right. You know, uh, there, there's no, there's no reason why Rhode Island testing should take as long as it does. I don't know. Um, Governor McKee allowed. Governor McKee allowed for the frontline workers to be let go from their jobs because of the vaccine mandate. But part about that that I I still don't understand is that he wouldn't even meet with them. You know, the the woman that crashed the press briefing last week, she actually got she got more of the governor's focus seemingly than the frontline workers who are going around and protesting. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's also interesting to me that the progressives that are running for governor and lieutenant governor, they, they are convinced that by sleeping out in front of the state house, that, that they are having impact, right? Because otherwise, why would you be doing it? Why would you be camping out? But what I don't understand, what I, I, I do understand, it's a double standard. And the double standard is the fact that they, um, there's different rules. There are just different rules. They're, they're operating on two different sets of rules and it's a double standard as far as if just regular people said, we want to go up to the Rhode Island State House and we're going to have a band play and we're going to have staging and we're going to sleep out there. There's, there's no way. Um, but because it's these progressive activists, they're allowed to do it. So they they are allowed and there's a completely different standard for that you know what else folks you can't you know there's these different groups that have popped up telling people don't pay your utility bill and we're going to um we're going to you know there need to be funds available for those that don't pay their utility bill there need to be funds available for people that don't want to pay their rent. We need funds available for those that don't want to pay for their heat. You know, everything, sleep out in homelessness, sets a record. What, what kind of record are you talking about? There's more people pretending to be homeless than actual homeless people. They threw a rally. They're running for lieutenant governor and governor, sleeping on tents. Last night was warm. Last night was uh, it was actually nice out. I was for those of you who saw one after dark. I was out in the city last night, so it's 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 just it's all theater. Um, it to me it's like all it's all grandstanding, stunting, and theater, and you know. By my teeth are chattering, and I'm out here, and they they want to they want to own that issue. We are no one should freeze to death. The fact of the matter is, last night was 46 degrees. There was no one freezing to death. Ah, uh, 
My goodness, folks. All right. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Brother's Disposal. Come on, brother. Call Brother Roland today. Get a dumpster in your driveway. 401-688-0517. 401-688-0517. Brother's Disposal. Now offering weekly trash collection services. Get a dumpster. Get rid of your unwanted belongings. It's Brother's Disposal. 401 688 0517. And not only are they offering weekly trash collection services, but on top of that, you can get rid of some of your unwanted belongings, get a purple dumpster for your business or driveway. Call Brother Roland at Brother's Disposal, 401 688 0517. Let me paint the picture. Let's just say in your garage or your attic or your basement or whatever storage, you have some. Things you don't need, unwanted belongings, if you will. So you call Brother Roland at Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517. Good afternoon, brother. Give them your address. They will bring a dumpster and gingerly place it in either your business or, well, outside, or your driveway. Then when you're cleaning out your basement or attic garage you don't have to have i had a friend of mine that said 25 trips to the dump i'm like that that's absurd you that's actually wasting time you could have called brother's disposal and then you're just walking out and toss it then you say all right you guys can come take it now and then they take it away brother's disposal 401 688 call brother roland at brother's disposal folks this portion of the john DePietro show is brought to you by Competition Shooting Supplies. Now, remember, if for the firearm enthusiasts in your life, you can get them a gift certificate. You can't, unless you have a license, you can't go and just purchase a firearm. But you can go to see John Francis at Competition and buy a nice gift certificate. Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Call them 727-1716. Firearms, ammunition, accessories. It's Competition Shooting Supplies. And also, he's on Facebook. And remember, if you'd like to sell firearms to him, you can do that. And either maybe you don't use them anymore or someone passed away or Whatever. Maybe you have a few. I'd like to get some cash. Take them in. You can either sell them on consignment or sell them outright to John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies. So, folks, here's what's happening. It's 158. And coming up at 2 o'clock, we'll have the 2 o'clock news. And then it'll be the John Dion program. I'm going to be back tomorrow at 11. Now, tomorrow, again, it is a big day. Because anytime, and we haven't had one of these. You know, Governor McKee hasn't had to go through this. Governor McKee has been like the fun uncle, right, or the substitute teacher that just keeps saying, you know, we're going to lift this restriction. We're going to lift that restriction, and you can do this, and you can do that, and here's money for you and money for her and money for them. Tomorrow's a little bit different because tomorrow at one thirty, Governor McKee, they're claiming that they're going to have some new restrictions uh, or reaction to what's going on with COVID. So they will announce it. And we'll work out the logistics, but we'll bring it to you right here on the John DePietro Show. So, folks, again, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. Please visit the website, DePietro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Get out there on this Tuesday. Support small business. Sunny out. It's dry. It's good weather. Get out there and shop and support our small businesses. Shop local. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news, the Dion program. We're back tomorrow at 11 right here. WNRI Winsocket.